a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. It goes without saying that ending a marriage can make you rethink everything you thought you knew about love and sometimes even yourself. And I remember before my divorce, I had a pretty traditional life. A lot of you have heard my story over and over again, but I really want to talk about this today because I was thinking about it and I was thinking, gosh, you know, back then I thought I had this perfect life, right? The husband, the kids, the picket fence. I still have the kids by the way, but you know where the story goes. Um, Everything just kind of change when I was blindsided by divorce. And I suddenly found myself this single mom. And, you know, I describe myself often where I was trying to uncover myself that that was different than, you know, me as a wife to my husband. And I was then catapulted into this thing called dating. And I had a closet full of oversized black mommy tops, a bunch of nursing bras, Birkenstocks. I mean, it was not sexy. I will just say that. And um, it, it just more importantly, wasn't appealing to me. (laughs) You know, like I just remember looking in the mirror and feeling like this frumpy mom and wondering who could ever love me. And I wasn't feeling attractive and I didn't know how to give signals to men that I was attracted to them, let alone even picking up signals from them that they were attracted to me. I mean, the last date I had remembered, and here's the thing, like I got married really young. Uh, I just remember going to toga parties and meeting people. And that was like my dating experience. And then, you know, I had a college boyfriend, but then I met my ex, you know, pretty early on. So not only did I have to learn how to date just just date in general, but date again in this, you know, new version of myself, especially as a single mom. And I didn't know if I could ever get my groove back and feel like a sexy, charming, dateable woman again. And that is the thing I remember feeling before I got married. And when the divorce happened, I, I considered myself pretty confident, you know, like I thought it was a confident woman and that just shattered into pieces when I went through the divorce and then I just was left feeling rusty, old, and out of practice. So I had to get out there. I had to get out there. I had to practice to not only rebuild my confidence, but rediscover who I was and what I wanted in a relationship. And yes, this included flirting. (laughs) I mean, the first person I remember flirting with was this other single mom that I was introduced to. And we went into the big city of Santa Monica from the suburbs and she took me to this bar. And I just remember her not even saying anything, but just dressing the part, moving in a way that just attracted men like bees to honey. And I was like a nerd sitting there taking notes behind her, dressed in my black clothes. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I have a lot to learn. Um, So confidence is the number one element both men and women find attractive in each other. And when you feel confident, you attract love and opportunity in your life. However, 
Feeling secure when it comes to dating after divorce is easier said than done, especially when you're doing this later in life after 40. And one of the problems is that your identity gets linked to your spouse for so long that you forget who you are separate from that person. So despite its challenges, if you feel good about yourself, know what you want, finding love and dating can be easy and getting back out there just takes time. And there are a few things that you can do to get started and regain some of those skills that might've been dormant or maybe you never had them at all to begin with like me. So with me today, I have an awesome guy, I'm so excited about this conversation, um, who is going to help me talk with you about getting back out there and rebuilding your life after divorce. He is a divorced dad of three daughters. Oh my gosh, I feel so bad for you (laughs) and happy for you at the same time. Living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, he is one of the co-founders of Divorced Over 40, DO40, um, a community that was recently formed. And it provides support for divorced men and women across the world who are aged over 40. And this community provides support through content on social media channels, as well as hosts events with specific intention of fostering and cultivating friendships. I love that because there's not like focus and this pressure around dating, but really like connection with each other. The DO40 community has enabled him to pursue his passion for writing, where he writes on several topics including his own personal divorce journey, dating over 40, and being a dad to three daughters. This led him to create the Intentional Dating Club, an online dating community created that provides techniques and tips on how to create a safer and more positive dating experience. Welcome, Daniel Harold. Hello. 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 It's good to be here, Kimmy. It's so good. Thanks for having me on. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so good to finally have you on. I mean, you and I have been having conversations, gosh, since Clubhouse started. I think that's where we met, right? We did. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what that app, the relationships that it's created for a lot of people that are in the space or in any space. And so I remember probably hearing you in some room and, or vice versa. And, you know, you like to connect with like-minded people. So I'm glad to be here. I know. And speaking of community, I just love what you have built. I mean, it's it's just amazing. And and in such a short amount of time, how this has just caught on like wildfire. And it just shows how many people need this. But um I, I mean, let's back up because I, I think we have a similar story. You heard mine over and over again, but um I'd love to hear your story because you're still you still have like another quote unquote job on the side. Like this isn't what you do full time, but I, I love that you're dedicating time to this. It's definitely a passion project for me. And uh, you know, although it does feel like a full-time job sometimes, but <laughs> um and with three know, daughters. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, if you back up at least as part of my story, um, really as it pertains to dating, particularly dating after divorce. You know, I really only had two meaningful relationships from the age of 17 to 45. So I had a high school girlfriend and then I met my um, ex-wife the summer after I graduated from high school and we dated for four years and got married and had a 22 year marriage. So I had really no experience at all other than just two people, you know, 30 years ago. And, uh, I was, we were divorced about three years ago and just kind of drifted, you know, the typical, um, you know, one of the typical reasons why a lot of people 
get divorced is that they just kind of fall apart. Uh, they kind of felt like I was like two ships passing at the night, you know, sometimes. Um, and you know, I got, I was divorced. It was actually, um, it wasn't a very stressful and emotional divorce, but you st- just like with any divorce, you still go through the same emotions. And I, Kenny, I did everything, probably everything wrong when it came to dating. You know, I dated when I was going through my separation, which is a big no-no for me now and what I tell my community. And I got into a long-term relationship. I mean, I did all the things wrong. And so part of, you know, building this community is to really say, look, I'm trying to apply a little bit of my wisdom of, of things that I did wrong, that if you just tweaked a little bit in your approach and a little bit, um, just were a little bit more patient, you can have such a much better positive experience. And so that's part of the reason why I've really kind of dived into dating is to be able to share a little bit, a little bit of my mistakes and, and a little bit of my wisdom that I've learned along the way. I love that. Oh my God. And I think that's so common where, um, I call it the rites of passage relationship, you know, because it's a very common mistake, quote unquote, that people do. And I don't know, quite honestly, if I even label it as a mistake, because I think it's part of the journey and in feeling like you're getting your mojo back, that that you are dateable, you know, so people often fall into those transitional romances and I call it the rites of passage because when I'm on the phone with a client, I will ask them, I'm like, so have you had your transition yet? Right. <laughs> and people are like, what? Right. What? And how did you know? I'm like, great. Okay, now we can start digging in and doing the work, you know, because <laughs> it was it's like. Kind of, I guess the slang word for it would be rebound, right? You had, yes. a, you had a much nicer way of saying it, but yeah. you're exactly right. And it's whether you do it at the wrong time or even yeah. when you come out of, you know, if you healed and you're ready to date, you still have. Like, I mean, you made such a good point. Dating really is a journey. It's not like you're going to know when you start dating again after a 30-year marriage that you really know what you want. And that's part of dating is to figure that out along the way. You're never going to figure it all out on the front end and be able to make the big list of all the things that you want and all the things that you don't want until you actually go out there and practice. It's so true. And you know, there's this new term. I don't know if you've heard it. And a lot of people are talking about is called hardballing. Have you, have you heard of it? Yeah. So there's this big movement where, you know, a lot of people are showing up on dates and hardballing their date and saying, Hey, this is what I want. Are you in, you know, and kind of like cutting out the crap, if you will, in the beginning. And while I think, you know, on some levels that could be super helpful, given what we're talking about, I think it's, it's horrible (laughs) because I don't think when you're coming out of a divorce that you exactly know who you are and what you want. And, 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 and to hardball somebody when you yourself aren't even clear on what it is that you're set out to do, I think it could backfire, you know? So I, I just wondered your thoughts about that. I think there's a time in, in your dating space when you've kind of, you've evolved, you figured out, just through the date, the people that you've dated and the experiences that, that you've had, what you really want. And you don't, you can't figure that out all on the front end. And so you can't go in and give these hard lines on this is what I want and don't when you really don't even know what you want or what you don't want. And so it, it, I think that over the evolution of time, then you can start to say, okay, these are really some non-negotiables that I need 
And I don't want to waste my time with anybody um, that aren't living up to that, those standards or those character traits. But there's such a nicer way of figuring that out than just coming in with this hard conversation. You can weave a normal, friendly, social conversation to get all the answers that you want out of someone to make the determination this isn't a fit versus coming in and saying, okay, let me go through my list of non-negotiables. Do you fit them or not? That's just not, <laughs> I don't think that's a great way to approach um, what you want, what you really don't want. No. And, you know, I, I have these like dating archetypes that I talk about in women and I'm creating one for men too. But one of, one of the archetypes, I call her the list lady. Yeah. So this is the lady that has the list yay long and, you know, and when she's on the date, she interviews and she checks off. And if there's one thing that's, that's off on her list, she like swipes left basically. Right. right. And, and, and really what all of this is, and this relates to the divorce and sometimes the pain that we go through is we're trying to ward off the hurt, right? Like we don't want to experience the wrong relationship again. So often we do that. I was just working with a woman who um, was doing that and, it was so funny because I, I go into people's accounts, right? Like, so I'm looking at her, her match account with her and she said no to this guy who was a perfect gentleman. Like he reached out, he looked so nice. I said, what's going on here? What, wait, what, why did you say no to him? And she's like, well, there was, and I kid you not, there was one picture of him saying, Hey, you want to take a ride with me on my motorcycle? She's like, I'm not into motorcycles. I don't want that life. I'm like, wait a second, How, you, you don't even know this could be like something that's just a hobby on the side. You don't have to go on the motorcycle with him. He's a great guy. Right. You just passed right. him by. So, yeah. You know, I, but but I, I, I agree with you. I think that, um, I think dating is an incredible opportunity to expand your mind. And what I mean by that is, you know, we kind of come in, we're, we're kind of an old dog with a lot of old tricks and we have this, sense of what we want, what we believe in. And if we're willing to add a little bit of flexibility in terms of dating people that are different ages than you, um, dating people that have different political beliefs than you, dating people that are culturally different from you, and really starting to think about all the things that you would initially object to and say, this might this might be enhance my experience. This may open my eyes to a whole new set of possibilities. But I think so many people come in very closed minded to your point, either because they don't get their hurt or they've got these preconceived opinions on people that I mean, I'm, I have a certain political belief and I would date. I remember dating or going out on a couple of dates with someone that was 100 percent polar opposite. And we would joke about it, like in a laughing way, just kind of poke fun of each other. Um, and there's a lot of people that wouldn't even go out on that date just because of that, right? But I'm, I would have missed an incredible opportunity to meet an incredible person. And that, that doesn't define her. That's just one piece of her. And so I, I agree to your point. I think that a lot of times what we do, Kim, this is, this is what I tell a lot of people. We take these wish list items and we put them over on the wrong column. We put them in the non-negotiables. Yes, yes. Here's all the things that I really would love. And we put them over in the non-negotiables and we say no to people, you know, for example, height. Oh. Um, and I always say, okay, well, what if you met, what if it was Jesus Christ <laughs> and he was 5'8", the perfect person? 
And you really, I was like, you really need to think about, is that really a non-negotiable or is that a wish list? And you really need to be able to delineate both of those lists in order to, and on the wish list, be flexible, give people a chance, open your mind, your whole mindset of what you might want will might change if you just go experience different types of people. Amen. Oh, I, I think what we're talking about is, is an openness, especially as you're getting back out there, because that's part of the learning curve. That's, you know, gaining that experience is what helps also build your confidence. Right. You know? And so I think this is so important. Okay. I, I, and this is great that you being a man are talking about this. Cause you know, I often talk as from a woman's perspective, what were some of the challenges getting back out there as a man dating after divorce and how did you like kind of overcome them? Well, I think that, um, I mean, after getting into a couple of what I thought were long-term exclusive relationships real early, I really figured out, um, that, okay, I, I really enjoyed dating. I was fascinated about the dating process just because I'd never done it before. And to your point that you mentioned earlier, going through some of the early dating, it's a confidence boost. And your net, your self-worth is like that big when you come out of a divorce. You feel worthless. You don't feel attractive. You don't feel wanted. And the dating process kind of improves that worth. You start to feel like, well, maybe I am wanted you know, people find me attractive, people find me interesting. And it's a great self uh, confidence boost. And so I fed into that, obviously, a lot for the wrong reasons. But once I went through um, a couple of relationships, I realized, okay, I really enjoy dating. I'm really a casual dater. Now, casual a dater is not synonymous with a hookup dater. I, th- I think that you can be a casual dater. And you're very intentional that you're just not ready for a relationship. Um, you're at a stage of your life where you may be rebuilding after a marriage. And that's where I was. And I was very direct and explicit, both in my profile. And when I had that initial conversation with someone that I matched with that, um, this is where I am. I'm, I'm casual. I'm not looking for anything. And fortunately there was a good subset of women that would say, well, that's not what I want have a great day. There was another subset of women that would be like, well, I'm kind of in that same boat. So let's go hang out. But there was this other subset that said, I'm really looking for something serious, but you seem charming. Let's go out. And I think in the back of their minds, they were thinking, well, I can change that mindset Uh... if they date me. And I didn't have the wisdom to be able to spot that and say, no, 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 no. We're, you know, I think a casual dater and an intentional dater is like oil and vinegar. They do not mix. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to spot that really easily. And those always ended up um, as crash and burns, you know, because the expectation levels were completely different, even though they were communicated up front and, you know, people ended up getting hurt. And so um, a lot of times you know, if there's anything that I learned along the way is that so many times we don't listen to the, the cues or the clues that people are expressing to you either verbally or non-verbally in terms of what they want, certain behaviors, whether they're even healthy to date, which is a big problem, you know, 40 and over, not physically, but emotionally and mentally healthy to even be dating. We ignore those because we get caught up in the endorphin releases 
and the, the, the banter and the flirting, and we're not seeing all the red and yellow flags that are being raised <laughs> all along the way. And so, um, and obviously I fell into that trap, you know, where I'm engaging with a very attractive woman and the banter is, the flirting is so good and I'm not listening to the words. I'm not observing the clues that would have probably made me take a step back and say, wait, time out. I don't think this is probably going in the right direction. I love the rainbow of flags. The fact I just see like all these like colors, the rainbow flagging. Um, No, you know what I love that you just brought out in the point is like kind of the stages of dating and, you know, and how that aligns with where you are, you know, in, in ways of your own process, your own, you know, intentionality around it. And, you know, sometimes it does take that, that, kind of time to understand where you're at. You know, when I work with people, I have, I have this whole like bucket theory where I have people put um, people in different buckets based on like when they meet them, where they might fall, you know, for them. And it helps people because I think to your point, there's a lot of guilt that ends up happening too, you know, like it, it, and, and I know I hear this from women, but just, you know, ladies, if you're listening to this, men have that too, where it's like, look, you know, right now I'm, I'm at a point where I just want to have fun and I'm rediscovering myself. And if that's okay with you, awesome, let's do it together, you know, but I think, I think it is that evolution, um, that you have to go through to really get clear on that, that intention as you go in and then communicate that with your date. And that's the biggest problem that exists is that people don't clearly communicate what they want and what they don't want. And there's a lot of misrepresentation by both men and women, whether it's about physical attributes, age, or intent that later are revealed in the dating process. And it disenfranchises people with dating because they start to generalize that all people are liars, that all people are disrespectful. And so then they get disillusioned with dating in general. And I'm, my platform is no, that may be 80% of the people that are out there. Um, but there is a great 20% that are like gems, they're gold and you just have to find them and they're great people. And you can have great experiences with those people, but don't all of a sudden throw everybody in the same bucket as toxic because that's not the case. Yes. Yes. And isn't it true? Cause this is what I try to share with, with my women clients is that, you know, on a first date and especially as you're getting back out there, you, you, the, the intention is to see if you even connect with that person. I think people, you know, just get ahead of it and they're trying to say, Oh, is this my next boyfriend? Is this my next girlfriend? Right. You know, Instead of just really connecting and having fun and, I think that's really hard after divorce in particular, because you're, you're relationship minded, right? Like you're coming yes. out of it, like a relationship person. And it's almost like unraveling that and learning how to be just present. And that pertains to flirting. Cause I, I was going to ask you about that as a man too. Like, was that hard for you? Like just to be, you know, present with it all and flirting and that kind of thing. Um, no, I was a master of flirting. <laughs> um, I have always been technology savvy. So I played right into the apps and the ability to just banter back and forth. Um, and, uh, and so that was, you know, that was like a skill set that I had is that I could communicate well and I was witty. 
and was able to remember things to jab people at the right places, you know. Right. And so that part, that part was fun. But you do bring up a good point. And I, I think that I, I never really thought of it from that perspective, but that's a genius uh, idea that people are coming out of this long-term relationship-minded mindset. And uh, it's hard to be single and because you're, you're attuned to it. But not to mention, you have family and friends culturally pressuring you. Why haven't you dated? Are you on any apps? Uh, yes. you know, I've got someone that I can set you up with. There's this automatic assumption that if someone is single and not in a serious relationship, that they need to have a relationship or something's wrong, one of those two. And so there's this pressure that people put on themselves with every date that they encounter. But... I think what you're saying and what I'm here to tell you is as you're going through your journey, particularly initially, go have fun. I always say, go with the intention of making a friend. If you just use that as your baseline, I'm going to go in and I'm going to have the curiosity of someone that wants to make a friend. Those are the type of questions that I'm going to ask. And if you go in with that mindset, more than likely you're going to leave with a friend, at least, even if there isn't a romantic connection. If you go with in the mindset of black and white, this is like my future to be or not, nine times out of 10, it's going to be no, and you'll never talk to them again. And so I'd rather leave with a friend than nobody at all. And so I kind of took that approach and um, last, as an example, I think last Christmas, not this Christmas, but the Christmas before, I think I sent 30 Christmas cards to 30 women that I had dated at some point or another. Because I maintained friendships with them. We became social media friends. I dated a lot when I traveled. And I just kept up with them. A lot of them are in my community now, which is kind of cool. Awesome. Um, diving in on the dating space. But um, that would, that's been the most enriching part of dating. I'm in a relationship now that um, has been the ability to cultivate new friendships all across, of all walks of life, all socioeconomic differences, culturally. And that's been a lot of fun. I love that. Yeah. I call it dating networking, you know, because it's just like business networking. It's it really is. Different. And people don't realize they have networks right in front of them, but they don't utilize it. You know, they might be going to these, you know, to the gym or like doing their everyday routine and whatever it is. And they're not thinking about it in a way that, Hey, like not only could you meet someone they might know somebody who knows somebody, right. you know? Right. And so that's why I love your community so much. It's funny. Cause you know, I just got through with my six week, um, class on how to date after 40, which I, I know that you and I were talking about. And one of the classes was, I was just teaching them this three-prong approach and helping building a network for themselves because, right, like there's such value in friendships because one of the things that happens after divorce is that often you lose all your friends because your yeah. friends are other couples. And then, you know, people take sides and, and it just, it's all different. And, you know, as nice as the married folk are, I always say this, and if you're married listening to this, I'm sure you're lovely. It's just, you don't understand what, what it, the energy that a single person needs, you know, it's, a, it's a whole different like ball game. So yeah, I love that. But I will warn against people like what Daniel is saying, friend, meaning 
like I'm, I'm going to call connection because some of my friend zone guys and gals then go into the date and then they have no flirty energy. And so then right. they get caught in the friend zone all the time. So yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. a fine line, right? Uh, yeah, you're right. I think you go in with the notion that I maybe, you know, I'll leave with a friend, but I'm still going to be on my game. I'm still yeah, going yeah. to have that, bring that, you know, my A game in terms of flirting and, and, you know, being engaged in the conversation. Um, but I totally agree with you about, you know, we all have like this circle that's our network, right? And as a single person, the more that you can expand that circle, the more encounters you're going to have with people that you don't know in an organic way. And so part of what I, I always get the question, you know, how can I meet someone organically? That's like the million dollar question that everybody asks. I'm so tired of the dating apps. And I said, go be super social with a handful of friends for the next six months of like two or three of your really good friends. And then pick two friends that you hardly know, but you really enjoy their company whenever you meet them. And go be intentional with them because, you know, especially like think about like if I cultivated a friendship with someone and we're doing stuff on a regular basis, if not weekly, every other week, and then she invite he or she invites me to their Super Bowl party that they're hosting. So I go, there's 25 people that I don't know at this party. And I went because I cultivated a, a, a friendship with this person. And all of a sudden, now you've got either new friends or there could be someone there romantically. So it's all about getting out there and being really social, whether it's friends or activities. And the more you put yourself out there, the more you'll get exposed and expand that circle of that network that you're building. I love that. I like that idea about, you know, just, you know, I think people need almost a formula or just some things to think about when they're going out. And on that point, I was wondering if you had any tips for people, because I know this is what um, I help people a lot with, but especially from a man's point of view, because there are a lot of people who might be listening to this and thinking, well, that's great, Daniel, you're like this good looking, social, flirty guy. I don't feel like I am, you know, maybe people who have a hard time and they're shy, they're more introverted and flirting is just like an enigma for them. Are there any tips that you, you know, can give those people? Well, I think, I think there's a a couple that I would give is, um, you know, engaging with someone in a fun way, a fun and flirtatious way is takes practice. It requires practice. And so the best way to really learn the art of just engaging with anyone is to hang out with your friends. You feel safe with them. Um, you don't feel nervous. It's not awkward. And I think the more that you hang out in social situations with your friends, be really intentional in being social, you're going to refine that, uh, that ability to engage. And then you can carry that over into your dating. Um, and so that's one, but I think also there's so many resources out there, um, that you can tap into people like yourself and dating coaches and great books and podcasts, all these different people that speak to the people that feel like they're shy, introverted, or they have too much rust, you yeah. know, and, then you, and there's all these resources that you can tap into to learn, you know, the skill sets. I remember there's a, there's a matchmaker that I'm friends with. That's, you know, she feels she has a lot of clients that feel that way. And she said, write down three questions. You're not going to pull them out and read them, but just have three questions that you think would be really good 
as conversational starters and take them in with every day. And so it's just, that's a more practical way to kind of become prepared. So there's lots of different things that you can learn from all these experts that are trying to pour out into you ways that you can flirt. Yes, definitely. Well, and I have a a flirt class coming up that I will share with everyone. What a great segue, right? (laughs) Right, who knew? And right. Um, but wait, there's more total marketing thing. Um, no, but I, I I do think it's important because I think a lot of people like skip that part, you know, they jump right into the relationship skills and, and what they, you know, want moving forward in a soulmate and all that jazz. And while, you know, that pretty picture is awesome and yes, you can have it. I think there's some skills that need to be leveraged in order to get that, you know, happy ending. So, and this is a perfect time to, to really practice that. And it does require practice. I mean, I, um, it doesn't come naturally, even for the people that look like it comes naturally, you know, it just, it yeah. requires practice. There's a little, you know, there's obviously some trial and error. You might try something and it doesn't get well received and you might try something that you think is, you know, non-flirtatious and people take it that way. And so you just have to get out there and practice and the online dating apps create that ability for you to engage with a lot of different people in practice, honestly. And it's okay. It's okay if you fail, you know, with a lot of people, because you're only looking for one anyway. So, um, you know, if there's a lot of people that it doesn't work, that's great. Then you kind of learn and you get a little bit better in how you engage with people. But I just think the best, the best way to like get really, really good at your ability just to converse and engage with people is be super social with your friend group Mm -hmm. because you're going to get out in social settings. Someone's going to walk by that knows your friend they're going to sit down and you're going to start a conversation and it's just practice. Mm-hmm. And then when you get in front of a complete stranger vis-a-vis your date, it becomes a lot more natural to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned about how you got on the apps and you're a tech guy. So you kind of like got into it, but I find that that platform also is a good way to practice because you can actually think about things before you say it. And then as you, you know, type it and then you, you know, you repeat it, then you can also say it out loud. You know, like there, there are different ways also to practice. Are there any hacks that you can give on the apps that you found really effective? Like did you I mean, use something some, that worked really well? Well, I mean, some of the apps have gone so far that they give you conversational starters, right? I mean, the, a lot of the apps yeah. have recognized that that uh, it's awkward for people and, hey, here's an idea. I mean, I always the, – the coaching that I always give is um, if you're swiping right, which means that you're – I like this person, more than likely they have a good – profile. It's not just the pictures, but they have some good substance to who they are. And you can always draw conversations from the profile. Always go back, pick out the things that you thought were interesting or curi- or that you were curious about. And you can generate so many questions um, from what they wrote about, or even in the pictures. Mm-hmm. If they have a picture of them traveling, a picture of them with kids. I mean, flirting all stems or it evolves from conversation. You have to start the conversation and then the flirtiness comes out. If you don't start the conversation, you can't just start right out of the gate being flirty. It's going <laughs> yes. to come across the wrong way or too aggressive, particularly from a man. You start out expressing interest, 
asking questions about them, whether it's from their profile or otherwise. And then it'll the humor and the wit and the banter will start to flow from that. That is such good advice. The timing of how you do the banter is super important. And that's another thing that I think a lot of, you know, the people who date after divorce find totally foreign is like, you know, if, if you're over 40, we, we didn't have texting. We didn't, ha- we were social people. And now right. we have to, it's learning another language, literally. So I think it's just another skill that you get to leverage during this time where you can meet a lot more people and that's a benefit. So yeah, some people, I mean, my 80 year old mother is really good, is good at texting. <laughs> she could probably, you know, throw down with the best of them, but you're right. A lot of people, um, it is like learning a foreign language and it's hard to read um, emotion out of text yes. some may come across really the wrong way versus uh not so it's it's a delicate balance but with with some practice i think that you can start to become skilled and how you engage with people and emojis practice on emojis emojis, emojis and, save everything <laughs> next, i mean just even saying yeah. i'm i'm so excited that we met period, period versus i'm so excited that we met exclamation point is a world of difference yes yes Right. Because that's the tonality that we can't say out loud. The the punctuation and the emojis add the tonality to the text. So, yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Oh, you my know, God. A, lot of, a lot of the apps are moving towards, you know, providing audio mm-hmm. to where you can actually voice record messages back and forth. And I think that's genius because then you get to you get to understand the inflection. You get to you get to listen to. Um, whether someone is excited, you can hear excitement in their voice or whether they're kind of flatline. So there's a lot that you can read into it that maybe taking it a step further from just um, reading a text. And so take advantage of those tools if they're in there. Yes. Yes. Daniel, I love this conversation. We could go on and on, right? Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> this is great. Well, do you have any um, parting words of wisdom that you wanted to share? And then please let everyone know how they can find your community. Yeah, you know, I think that I'm fairly new into the dating space in terms of, you know, I don't even, wouldn't even label myself as a coach. I almost feel like I'm a little bit of an advocate uh, in that I'm trying to provide people with like resources and tips and tools that um, people can use to, to level up their dating experience. Um, the one thing that I think is an incredible opportunity that people should take advantage of is the ability to find community. Uh, because, and, and I learned that from in building my divorce community is if you can find community within the dating space of people that are at your same stage of life, uh, you know, intentional, wanting to be in a community where people support each other and help provide helpful advice. Um, it can greatly enhance your dating experience because then you don't feel like you're on this island all by yourself trying to figure this out. And nobody wants to talk to their best friends about what's going on on their online dating, let alone your family. And so that's what I've created is a safe, positive space where you can jump into this community and just share and lift each other up and learn from each other. And so um, in order to find me, Kim, probably the best way is just to follow me on Instagram, which I'm sure you'll have in the podcast. And, and there's lots of information about this club that I'm building that I'm really excited about. 
And what's your Instagram handle just for everyone? It's uh, my full name. So it's Daniel.Herald at Daniel.Herald. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Daniel Harold, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and just that motivation for people. So thanks for- It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. So thanks for joining me today. As always, this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you are ready to start practicing getting your mojo back, you're flirting on, face your fears, learn how to flirt, all the things that we were just talking about. I am excited to announce a co-ed interactive workshop called Flirt Like a Pro coming up February 11th. And yes, just in time for those Super Bowl parties possibly and Valentine's Day. I'm just saying this is a live event where I will teach you the exact process to go from boring to playful and sexy. So if you're stuck in the loop of painful dates, boring conversations, and feeling totally awkward in your body and mind, then you need to join this interactive workshop so you can get the practice and the skills you need to help boost that sexy confidence. But space is limited as always. So make sure you click the link you see in the show notes and save your spot by doing it now. And if you do so, you will also get my free Master the Art of Flirting workbook. I hope to see you there. And remember, it starts with you and working on yourself is working on your love life. That's all for now. 